publish our podcast, episode 73. All right, this is a fun episode. We're digging into personal branding and why authors need to even think about this. I occasionally bring on men to our audience. We have no uh, we have no opposition to men, but we don't get pitched by them very often. But I was pretty thrilled when I saw a pitch from D.P. Knutin because he has such a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Um, he's been working with some really big names in branding, and I think you'll really enjoy this episode as he gives some really clear examples of authors and their brand that comes along with them and ideas on how new authors and rising authors can create their own personal brand as they are going out and marketing not only their books, but themselves as authors. So I'm sure you're going to get a lot from this episode and be sure to check out the show notes where you can get the link to his books and his free gift and all kinds of other great things. And also make sure you head over to womeninpublishingsummit.com forward slash events and check out what we have going on over there. I also have in the show notes, we have a new fun tool. Um, There's this program called Buy Me a Coffee, which, hey, this is something that all authors can use. If you're putting your work out there, if you're doing things, if you're running a podcast, if if you've got a blog and you're providing content to people, this concept is a tool where people can tip you basically for the content that you're providing. And it's called Buy Me a Coffee, which I think is great because the recommended tip is something like three bucks. Um... But I'm going to put the link in our show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast and feel like you might want to support us uh, for the time, energy, uh, money that goes into producing and putting out the podcast every week, I would sure appreciate that. No pressure whatsoever, though. It's a cool tool, and you should totally check it out as well if you are in the creator space creating things that you deliver for free to your audiences. I'm always looking for tools like this. I think it's a great way for people to be able to um, show appreciation if they can, and if you can't, it's no big deal. We enjoy bringing you all of this content at no charge. Um, It's a to the benefit of growing our community. And we know that that community growth will hopefully lead to people coming to our courses and conference and all of those fun things. So anyway, enough about that. Let's get into this wonderful interview with DP Knutin on branding. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been And I felt what you're feeling And I don't want to get in your way Welcome back to another episode of the Publisher Podcast. Today, we are going to get into something that seems to elude most of our authors, which is talking about branding and how important branding is. And we've we've discussed this um, through numerous outlets in the past, through the Women in Publishing Summit, through if you're in WIP school, we talk about branding a lot, but it is something that um, I always like to have experts come in and talk about because it seems to be really hard for people to wrap their brand their minds around branding and what that means and how as authors we use our brand and all that we're doing. So I am very pleased to bring you DP Knutin, Chief Collaborator, Collaborator Creative. DP's worked on some of the biggest brands in the business, including Coca-Cola, 
the athletes foot closet made during 10 years at ddb needham in chicago mccann erickson atlanta atlanta excuse me and creative shops in denver sarasota and madison wisconsin he is the author of nonfiction brand discover craft and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, and co-author of Rotoma, the ROI of social media, top of mind, and the creator host of the popular podcast, the Rotoma podcast and nonfiction brand. He is also a keynote speaker and clinician in branding, social media, creativity, and culture for groups throughout the United States. So thank you for bringing all of that expertise to us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on your podcast, Alexa. Absolutely. So you are obviously also an author. So you know the pain points of of being an author amongst the other things. How would you say, you know, you've you've got some amazingly huge brands under your belt. How would you what would you say the biggest differences between branding a company like Coca-Cola and authors working on their brand would be, or is there one? Do we all think about it in the same way? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think about Coca-Cola the same way you do Pepsi? If you're a Coca-Cola loyalist, no. <laughs> you'll go to a restaurant and when they say, uh, we only serve Pepsi products here, if you're like me and like a lot of other people, you'll say, oh, that's okay, I'll just have water. Why? <laughs> because I'm a brand loyalist. I, I've literally grafted that brand onto who I am as an individual. Why? For a whole lot of different reasons and we can go into those. When it comes, uh, what they'd know that perhaps authors don't realize is, they are fully cognizant of the fact that their premium brand is actually nothing more than a packaged commodity. Commodities are purchased for the lowest possible price while, command, while premium brands command a premium in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example of that in uh, literary speak. If I were to say Stephen King, do you have a pretty good idea who Stephen King is? Absolutely. And he has, while well, he has played in different genres to a, a certain extent. If people were asked to say, what do you know about Stephen King as an author? Generally, people would talk about things like horror and mystery kind of in with his own special twist on things. Mm -hmm. How did he get there? Well, he wrote those books in that vein in those genres over and over again. But the brand of Stephen King is something much more the genres in which he writes. For right. example, a lot of writers will uh, point to the fact that Stephen King's essay on about writing is one of the most influential things they've ever read as a writer. Well, that's interesting because Stephen King, um, he's supposed to write horror and mystery, mm -hmm. right? No, 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 no. He is a writerly writer of mystery and horror and uh, adjacent genres, if you will. But most of us would agree that, no, he's pretty much a writer first before you mention genre. Other people, you know, uh, like uh, Margaret Atwood, the great Canadian uh, writer of A Handmaid's Tale and many other books, she too has a brand and there's a little bit of feminism in her brand. There's a little bit of intellectualism in her brand. There's a little bit of international flavor to her mm -hmm. within her brand because that's who she is. She's Canadian, she's not American. She was able to write A Handmaid's Tale about America because she is an observer of America. That mm. is important and key to her brand. It's that outsider's point of view that then gives her legitimacy and makes her more interesting as a writer. 
So you yeah. can see, I've, I've talked about two brands there, and I would like to point out, they're doing the same darn thing. They're writing books. Uh, at the very base level, they're book writers, book length communications writers. And yet there's so much more than that. And that's what writers don't necessarily get. Like if I were to say Louis L'Amour, people who know Louis yeah. L'Amour as a writer of Westerns. Right. You know, if I uh, mentioned James Patterson, a writer of mystery thrillers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You go down the list of writers and you can say, oh, you'll, you might start with their genre. But if you dig a little deeper, you'll understand more about them as a brand because it's not just about Louis L'Amour writing Westerns. It's that he understands the male point of view in a way that is really uh, responds and communicates well to that desired audience. Uh, Stephanie Meyer, same thing, you know, uh, versus Anne Rice, right? We're talking about female writers of the supernatural. And yet, if I said they're the same, I would get rocks right. thrown at me by their fans. <laughs> Absolutely right? not the same. <laughs> because they are not the same. And that's the point. Even as a writer, do not confuse your genre with your personal brand because people will eventually like you and follow you and buy your books strictly because of who you are, not what you write about or what genre you happen to be most uh, fluent in. Well, that's kind of an interesting statement though, because the what thing I'm, I'm, I wonder is, didn't their brands kind of develop because they became famous in their space? Like what would the difference be between a brand new horror author, for example, who's trying to um, create their, their space in there? Like Stephen King is known because of all of his books and the success of those books and the movies and all of that. And that kind of created a brand around him. But if I'm a brand new horror writer or vampire writer or whatever, how, how do I create my brand in that, in that same kind of respect? Well, understand two things about branding. It started with one, and I'm going to use two D words. <laughs> it started as nothing more than differentiation. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Back in the old West, your brown cow looks like my brown cow. How do I know which brown cow is mine and which is yours? We literally branded them. We, we took a branding iron and put our mark on them to differentiate them. So the first job of a brand is differentiation. The second job of a brand is demonstration. So mm -hmm. you mentioned the fact that, okay, how do I, you didn't say the word demonstrate, but essentially you said, how do I demonstrate that I'm a writer within a specific genre or with a certain style and uh, get people to recognize me so that I am differentiated from other writers who might be writing within that genre or that share a lot of the same demographic traits with me. Like uh, if you're a 22 year old, you don't have a brand, you haven't figured out who you are as an individual yet. <laughs> right. So you can't say I'm a brand. I'm sorry, you can't. Why? Because you haven't done the work to figure out who you are, what you do, and how you do it in a way that really demonstrates your value to whoever's going to engage with you, whether it's a reader, whether it's a purchaser of your book, whether it's a, a critic who might be reading the book and doing a review of it, whether it's a librarian in Pocatello, Idaho, who might want to pick up your book and put it in their library. They don't know who you are yet. You have to demonstrate it. But you also have to differentiate yourself. Let me give you an example of that. James Patterson, 
Did you know that James Patterson is an old Madison Avenue advertising guy? I did not know that. He used to do exactly what I do, which is copyright, meaning he was a copywriter and creative director who wrote ads. He wrote <laughs> radio scripts. He wrote TV scripts. He, did, he wrote outdoor boards. He, he was the writer guy who did that stuff. He eventually got to the point where, like a lot of us, you kind of burn out on that. And he thought, well, I'd like to do some book length stuff. He wrote his first book. It got picked up. And now how many millions of books later is he still going strong? But if you notice, it's James Patterson in two inch tall type right. with Joe Blow, right. whoever his collaborator <laughs> is. And a lot of times the cover art will show his name above, like if it's set uh, by a seaside, you'll see waving seagrass in the air. And the typography that says with Joe Blow, my co-writer, is obscured practically by the graphics of the waving seagrass. That's on purpose because no one's buying Joe Blow's book, they're buying James Patterson's book. And the reality is, and uh, I don't know this to be true, but I have been around this block a few times and I know how things work. I guarantee you, James Patterson sits down with his ghostwriter, or his co-writer, and says, okay, here's the plot. Plot point, right. plot point, plot point, plot point. Here's the turnaround. Here's how we end it, and here's how we set up the next book in the series. And then he goes away, and the other person writes it. And then they review it, and he puts his fingerprints all over it and stuff like that. And I don't want to belittle his success, because his success is way beyond my success. But the point is, James Patterson can do that because he is doing what brand guys has, have always done, which is I'm creating a brand that allows machines to churn out product that people will buy. The same way that cans of Coke come down the line and sell because Coca-Cola branding has been selling that brand since 1886, James Patterson's doing the same thing with his books. Now, I'm a big proponent of what I call nonfiction branding. It has nothing to do with fiction or nonfiction books. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the way you approach who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Well, I, I know exactly who I am and how I want to present my brand to the marketplace. Yeah. Consequently, I don't write fiction. Why? Could I write fiction that nobody wants to read? Absolutely, all day long. But what I do is I take what I can legitimately point to as my expertise and experience that's been hard earned over 30 years and say, this is my experience. This is what I've learned. This is what I have to share with you. And I'm doing it literally in my voice. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a lot of writers out there who write in different styles. I love to write vocally, meaning, I like it to read like it's being read aloud. Part of that is because I was trained as an actor. And so I look at everything as a script. And so consequently, when I read my book, and by the way, this is what I do when I write a book, is I will read it aloud. And anytime I reach a point where I kind of stumble or hesitate or uh, I rewrite the sentence mm. because it is literally indicated to me, hey, there's a stumbling block in the sentence you need to spend a little bit more time polishing this because if you can't say it vocally the way you speak, that is not true to your brand, he says to himself, D.P. Knuton, right? But that's because I have decided to write in a very vocal, personal way. And the beauty of that is 
because I'm writing not to sell books. Get this. I'm not writing to sell books, meaning I'm not trying to sell a million books. I would love to, but I'm not writing to sell a million books. My goal is to demonstrate my authority so that I can attract people to hire me, to speak at their conferences, to engage with me, to work on their personal or small business brands, to invite me to be an authority on a panel at their uh, association event, whatever. For me, a book is almost the equivalent of a brochure, but it's a brochure with what I call plonk factor. Literally, you can drop it on a table and it goes plonk. There's enough weight. This thing I'm holding up in my hand is 257 pages of authority wrapped with a book cover that incidentally, good branding, has my photo on the cover. <laughs> that is not by accident. And it's also not because I'm a narcissist either. So why is it then? Explain why people would want to put books or, or their picture or not put their picture on the back of their book. Well, on the back of the book, in my case, it's on the front. It's on the front. I'm sorry, right. that is the front. Because, well, and I write about it. I, literally, I write in the book about, I think it's right toward the end of the book where I say, why, oh, why would you put your face on the cover of your book? And I said, because, it, and not because I'm a narcissist, but because I'm writing this book so people know what I look like, who I, what I sound like, what I write like, the way I think. I'm demonstrating all of these things and I'm doing it in a way that is completely branded. Mm -hmm. So if you're watching the live stream right now, you can see me in a black button down shirt. Well, if you look on the cover, I'm wearing a black shirt. The cover <laughs> itself is black and white with a little bit of uh, burgundy, red type of highlight devices, uh, uh, elements on the cover. Mm -hmm. Why do I do that? One, black and white. I see this as a black and white conversation. This is not a shade of gray. This <laughs> is your nonfiction or your fiction. If you're fiction, don't talk to me. If you're, and I don't mean what you write. Genres, right. <laughs> I mean who you are. You know, if you are a faker, if you are a, a poser, if you are an Instagram influencer who wants to look great on a beach in Belize with your hair blowing in the wind as an artful shot is taken of you in a bikini that only you can wear because you've got that body for, at age 21, then don't talk to me. You're, because if you want to be that kind of fake thing, I'm not into that. And that, frankly, your audience isn't going to be into it for uh, the long term. What I'm about is creating a nonfiction brand for you that is completely true to who you are, that is selectively authentic to the things that are important to you, mm -hmm. and that you can sustain and scale your entire life and never have to think about it because that's who you are. You know, it's that old saying about if you don't lie, you never have to remember what you lied about. Right. If you aren't lying in your personal brand, you never have to think about it because you are it. And in that last little paragraph I just uh, said to you, I used the word selective authenticity. These are key. I write about business, advertising, marketing, communication, social media, kind of that area. It's a pretty big universe, but it does not include the names of my children. It does not include my political stance or where I fit on the spectrum of American politics. It does not include my favorite bands. It does not include my favorite color. It, it does not include a whole bunch of stuff that does not matter. 
I am completely authentic in what I choose to share, but I am selectively authentic in what I choose to share. We live in a world with TMI, too much information. Don't need to know about that. Thank you. Do not care. However, some people lean into areas that I might consider too much information for myself. And I'm thinking of people who uh, maybe have had uh, challenges in their life that they literally lean into, whether it's a chronic disease that they're dealing with or circumstances they've gone through. I notice, Alexa, by the way, on your website, you mentioned the fact that you lost an infant daughter. Mm -hmm. You chose to do that. I'm, you know, to mention I'm not it, not to lose why. her. <laughs> yeah, right. No, right. no, yeah, you didn't choose to lose her, but you chose to share that. Right. And it uh, it's important for people to know because what that single line right there in your about thing on your website, you're saying, I'm operating at a level of vulnerability. Yeah. That might be not somebody's cup of tea, but if you can handle this, maybe we should talk. It's yeah. almost like a first filter. If you can't handle me talking about this, you aren't going to like me. Right. That's interesting because obviously that's one of those things that I have done like intentionally, but never really thought about it being as part of my brand, but very much so that part of my story is a part of my personal branding, but I had never kind of connected those dots together. And I think that's where a lot of the people in our audience um, struggle with it too, is not really um, connecting those dots that say who we are and how we show up as our not the nonfiction, the, the, the truth of us, how we show up is very much our brand. So for those people who despite listening to all the good things that you have just said and examples you've given, think that they're not brandable. How do you, how do we get them out of that mindset? How do we get them thinking about what their brand is and, and getting it out there? I write about this in my book, nonfiction brand. Do you know a woman named Brene Brown? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. Okay. Uh, if, I and, love her. I'm a, I'm a big well, fan. <laughs> everybody loves her. Do you know why you even know of her? Actually, I heard her talk about this on her um, on her Netflix special. That's right. Darian, uh, was it Darian Greatly or whatever? Yeah. But but, but that's yes. exactly it. She, and I write about it in the book, and I kind of snidely say she was a master's and PhD in social work teaching at the University of Houston, which is what I would call the academic equivalent of a witness protection program. <laughs> University of Houston is not a top 50 college in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm not here to pick on that, but I'm just pointing out, okay, she's not at Harvard, she's not at Stanford, right. she's not at Princeton, she's at University of Houston. Why do we know of her? Well, she talks about it in that special, the first Netflix special that she did, that she was invited to speak at TEDx Houston, which, again, because I'm a salsy, spicy writer, I refer to TEDx as the kids' table of TED. <laughs> it's literally, you know, it's it's where you go if if you aren't if ready you don't get on the big yet. stage. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and I think it might have been 2007 when she did her TEDx talk at uh, in Houston. The night before, as she speaks about in her uh, in her special, she says she decided to scrap everything she was going to talk about and instead talk about the things she actually knew better than anybody else on the face of this earth vulnerability based on shame 
-hmm. or the, the effects of shame and how it affects vulnerability and the power of it. And this blew my mind because shame, Americans, we don't have any shame. We are shameless and yet we're all ashamed at the same time. Right. You know, but shame is literally the monster in the closet we dare not talk about. And here's this woman who gets rid of her fear the night before she's going to speak. She gets on stage. And what does she do? That second D word I talked about. She demonstrated her personal brand in front of the audience based on her deep, rich expertise. She wasn't making this stuff up. She had done the, the, all the research. She had gathered the data. She had analyzed the data and she came up with facts based on the data that no one in the audience knew and everybody was riveted by. Okay, so data, yay, great, data, yay. The other thing she demonstrated were the intangibles of a woman named Brene Brown. She's got a bit of a Texas accent. She's got she curses. A, the, what, she's got the demeanor of your next door neighbor who's really fun at a party. Right, right, right. And by, by God, don't give that girl some tequila because things are going to go wild and we're all going to love it. All right. You know, every person, male or female, who saw her on stage said, I would love to get a drink with her. Yeah. And ha have a conversation with her. Learn more about what she's doing. That stage was a launch pad for the personal brand that was Brene Brown that she had not packaged like a brand yet, but all the brand elements were there because she was being completely what I would call non-fictional when it came to her brand. Right. She was who she is. She shared what she knew very openly, vulnerably, and, by, and she demonstrated everything she was saying. She was being vulnerable and what happened? Kaboom, her rocket was lit. And then all of a sudden she's flying around with Oprah. Right. It, but it wasn't that easy. But it was because she had everything in place. And by the way, now she is so packaged as a brand mm -hmm. that if you were at a conference and you saw speaker A, B, C, Brene Brown, you don't even see anybody else on right. the speaker list because you're going, oh, I'm going to Brene Brown. And right. I would feel the same because I know exactly what I'm going to get. I don't know what she's going to talk about, but I know she's going to be entertaining. Mm -hmm. I know she's going to be fun. I know she's going to be provocative. Mm -hmm. And she's not going to shy away from anything. Why? Because to me, she's fearless. How do I know that? Because she demonstrated it. Hmm. And by the way, she used to be a PhD. My parents were PhDs. When you're a PhD, that thing at the end of your name, that just means you get to sit in a barrel with a whole other bunch of commodity PhDs. It's a very high-performing commodity barrel. She took herself out of that commodity barrel and became the one of one that is Brene Brown, the one of one that is Oprah, the one of one that is uh, Stephen Colbert, the one of one that is Michelle Obama. These people, they don't have stuff after their name, they have stuff in front of their name. And mm -hmm. that's the difference. A lot of people love that alphabet soup going after their name. To me, that's all just commodity crap. It's the stuff in front. Nobel Prize winner, Academy Award winner, New York Times best-selling author. These are the things you want to go for 
And that doesn't mean you don't get advanced certifications and stuff like that, but don't put your stock in those certifications. You have to put your effort and your stock into building the understanding of who you are, what you do, how you do it, and ultimately demonstrating the value of all those things to mm -hmm. everybody you ever meet, that you talk to, that you have on your podcast, that you invite on your podcast, yeah. whatever. If you have a personal brand, it's a very easy for someone to take that package of you and say, oh, have you ever met this woman named Brene Brown? You gotta read her. Yeah, so it's, and, it, it's interesting because, you know, from, from the entrepreneur, from the business owner side, right? So I think when I think of creating a brand, I think of fonts and colors and backgrounds on the website and our logo and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm really hearing from you is that like, that's, that's, that's branding and it's like branding color font, like however you want to call it. But really when it comes to individuals and to us, as, as we show up as public figures, as authors, it's really more in, in, in vibe and like what people can feel about who we are and the subtle messaging that we give and the way that we talk about ourselves and what's happened in our lives and the word choices that we use in, in how we get on social media or on our blog or on our podcast and what we choose to talk about, how we choose to show up in front of people. And even if we don't realize it, people are forming an opinion about who we are and how we come across. Cause I'm sure when Brene Brown got up there and did that, the last thing on her mind was I'm building a brand as a, you know, a hard, a hardcore Texan woman who talks about vulnerability and shame. It was just, she just showed up. And I think when we, when, you know, to your point and to your book on nonfiction, like just being who we really are, like that in is essentially is creating our brand if people are wrapping around it around their head, it's funny because I get it, but it's one of those things that I can't like succinctly say. So I guess I would ask you one last question here. And that is if people still aren't getting it or they need to know how to start, like how, what's the easiest way to just start building that personal brand? Well, one thing I can offer your listeners is if, and this is completely free, you don't even have to sign up for my email list, which frankly, I never send anything to, let's be <laughs> honest. I will, my website will ask you for that, but you don't have to fill it out. If you go to nonfictionbrand.com slash gift, G-I-F-T, you will be able to download three PDFs that you can print out and start working on it. One of the PDFs Perfect. is a five question questionnaire that is just meant to get you started thinking about the deeper parts of who you are, what you do and how you do it in order to create what is a solid nonfiction brand based on com uh, completely who you are. So one of the questions in it, just as an example is, what thing that is completely legal within your sphere of human endeavor will you not do? Question mark. Why, why do you ask that? because what you don't do, won't do, is as important in defining who you are as what you do do. Meaning, let me give you an example. So what do you mean? I mean, in advertising and marketing, I've always had a hard rule that I won't work on two different products accounts. One, tobacco, mm -hmm. the other, firearms. Why? because they're core to who I am as an individual, I don't choose to support those things. I don't wanna work on those things. And by the way, in my career, there have been times where people have tried to push that and I made it clear that nope, that's a no-fly zone for me. Why? Because mm -hmm. that's part of my brand. 
That's part of who I am. And now that's an important thing about my brand, right? So that's uh, one of the PDFs is that five question questionnaire. And then two of the other things are directly what you're talking about. How can I start getting credit for my hard earned experience in whatever I do? And there are two techniques I like to use. One I call the unselfish selfie. You know, we're starting to get back post COVID into meeting people and being at uh, events and stuff like that. Perfect time. People are dying to get in touch with people and, and mingle and meet and talk and everything else. As you do that, when you're doing a group photo or something, make sure you're, you're in the photo, but it's all about them. Mm -hmm. Taking an unselfish selfie where you are featuring other people and talking about them. When you, sh there's a, a saying I like to say, when you shine the spotlight on somebody else, guess where it reflects? Back on you. Right, it goes right back on you. So by like Alexa, if I were to make you look great, I'm going to look like a solid guy for making Alexa look great. Right. I'm also going to be in, in Alexa's social media feeds because <laughs> if I post with your at tag in Instagram, oh, so great meeting Alexa. I love being on your podcast. Here's a screenshot of us talking uh, as we talk about her blah, 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 blah. I put your at handle in there, which if you're like me, you should have an at handle that is at DP Knutin, not mm -hmm. at Pikachu 925. How would I know that's you? But at right. DP Knutin. <laughs> and if you have a common name like at Robert Johnson, you can always go at the writer Robert Johnson right, right. or Robert Johnson writer or some variation thereof. I personally love the people who, and I actually have done this myself, I love the ones who go at the robert johnson meaning right. there's only one right right <laughs> but but by doing that i'm able to get my photo into your uh feeds which uh and you know meeting your people some of which might seek out what i'm doing and you never know where it's going to end so the unselfish the unselfish selfie is a great technique for doing that the other one i call the like plus Learn to love the like plus. And both of these are described on those PDFs you can download. The like plus is, let's say that Alexa, when you post this, you're going to go on LinkedIn and say, hey, the new podcast is out featuring DP Knuton. We had a great conversation about blankety blankety blank. Oh, and by the way, you're going to say at DP Knuton because right. that will, I'll right. be notified. The second I see that notification, I'm going to be all over it. And in your comments, why? because I want to turn every comment into a conversation. So the way that works, you do a post, I comment on it, and I include a couple of things, and I'm not going to go into detail about those things to include. <laughs> That's why you need to download the, the PDF. Grab that PDF. But, but it's, it's designed to turn the comment into a conversation. I will leave you with this, that the last thing in that comment is going to be a question or a task or a takeaway for you, the person who made the initial comment. Because what happens if I say, great having on the podcast, blah, 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 blah. And I say, oh, fantastic time, Alexa. I really loved it. By the way, your voice sounded great on my end. What kind of microphone do you use? <laughs> that question is teeing up an answer coming from you. And why do you as a, co a commenter want to do that? 
you turn it into a conversation and the person who posts it, once the algorithm sees that people are talking, right. they'll spread it wider. Right. So there's not a poster in the world who doesn't want a commenter to ask a question and, and begin a conversation. <laughs> the other thing is, let's say we're, we're meeting for the first time right now, which we are, all of a sudden we get to know each other a little better. We deepen our relationship. We find out ways that we might want to help each other because we've generated, uh, you know, deposits in the bank of goodwill with each other. Right. You've done me solids. I've done you solids. It's a a, a big uh, cycle of goodness happening here. Who knows where it's going to end up? I don't know, but I do know this: you having me on your podcast has given me an opportunity to get my personal brand out there, saying that hey, I was on Alexa's podcast. Be sure to check out the episode. It just launched on Monday. Uh, you've got an opportunity to do the same thing. And we have the opportunity to mutually support each other as we say it with me, build our personal nonfiction brands by being the person we actually are. It's simple, but here's the thing about simple. Simple is hard as any writer knows. That is a, an absolute truth. Um, all right. Well, this has been great information and I, I will make sure that we have all of the, the links and everything for the nonfictionbrand.com forward slash gift in the show notes, just in case um, people weren't in a place where they could write that down. So make sure you go grab that. I think um, it's really important though, that we as, as authors, as public figures have it so that people know who they're talking to and following and enjoying and, and all that kind of stuff. So branding is such an important conversation. And, and I appreciate you taking the time to come and share your expertise. We'll make sure that we have your books and everything on there. Where is the one place you want us to send people? Well, if you go to nonfictionbrand.com, you can pretty much find everything. Where the book is, it's available on Amazon. Whether uh, the podcast comes out every single Monday, guess what the podcast call is called? Nonfiction brand. Guess what the book is called? Nonfiction brand. <laughs> There's Why some branding. <laughs> so it's not confusing. If, if all you say is, oh, DP, he's the nonfiction brand guy. My brand is starting to do its job. There's no confusion. I'm not talking about training dogs or baking cakes. I'm the nonfiction brand guy. Yes, you are. So thank you very much for, um, for everything. This has been wonderful. And you know what, let's get a picture here together so I can go ahead and do this on my social media and demonstrate what we're talking about. So oh. smile. Let's see. There we go. All right. We're going to build that brand. Thank you so you much. Go. I hope you have a great day. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.